trying to get coaching cycles started and feeling like you just can't make it work? I've got the email course for you. Realistic Coaching Cycles is a mini course sent right to your inbox. It's five days of short videos that will teach you exactly what you need to do to start coaching cycles, document your work with a teacher, and help them implement the learning you've done together. Get it for free at buzzingwithmissb.com slash cycles and start your coaching cycles today. What's your instructional coaching personality type? Have you ever wondered what superpowers make you a really strong coach and what areas you could strengthen a little with a little direction? Well, now you can find out. I created the What's Your Instructional Coaching Personality Type quiz to help you answer this very question. Just head to buzzingwithmissb.com slash quiz with a capital Q to take the two minute quiz and get your coaching personality type sent right to your inbox. Even better, you'll get a playlist of podcast episodes that are handpicked just for you to help you hone your superpowers and strengthen your areas of growth. I'm so excited to share this quiz with you, so don't wait. Go to buzzingwithmissb.com slash quiz with a capital Q and learn so much about your coaching self. Welcome to Instructional Coaching with Miss B, where we believe that every teacher deserves a coach and every coach does too. I'm Chrissy Beltran, an elementary teacher who became a coach, and I had to create my own coaching program that worked. Now I teach coaches how to design their coaching programs, build a school-wide action plan, and use differentiated strategies to support teachers. Plus, I've got a special spot in my heart for literacy coaches. Now let's dig into the episode. Hey coach, and welcome to episode 176, Kickstart Your Coaching Cycles with Allison Peterson. This is one of the amazing episodes in my series about coaching cycles in season five. And I am so happy to welcome Allison back to the podcast. She's been on the podcast before talking about building relationships with teachers who are resistant. And so I'm really happy to have her here today because coaching cycles is her bread and butter. This is what she lives, eats, breathes every single day. So I'm excited to share this special episode with you and I can't wait to welcome Allison. I also want to remind you about the coaching cycles mini crash course that I have available for you at buzzingwithmissb.com slash cycles. Head straight there to grab it. It's a five-day course that will be delivered straight to your inbox and it will get you started with coaching cycles in ways that are realistic and practical. So check out the crash course and let's welcome our guest. Welcome to the podcast, Allison. Hi, Christy. Thanks for having me. I should say welcome back to the podcast. Yes, that's true. I got to be on here before about resistant teachers. And today we get to talk about coaching cycles. Yes, yes. And so I'm really excited to hear all of everything that you have to say, because I know you're really working on this subject and this is like your main focus of your work. But before we get to that, I do want to know a little bit about you. I want to know who do you help and how do you spend most of your time and energy at work? Hmm. Um, okay. So I work with K to eight teachers at the school that I'm at now. Um, and so I help K to eight, K to eight teachers. And, um, I specifically, I do work with all of my, like my middle school teachers too, but I've had a lot of emphasis on, um, curriculum adoption for science of reading in our K to five as well. So, and then even more focused our K to two. So I've really been helping those teachers implement that new curriculum that we've put in place. Um, and then what do I spend most of my time on at work? Um, building relationships with teachers, even in, you know, casual ways that are in the hallway and just thinking about them. I probably think about them way more than they realize how much I think about them. I'm like, okay, so what is she worried about today? And how can I help her? And maybe I should go see this teacher. So a lot of my time is just spent thinking about my teachers and how I can be supporting them or what our next opportunity to connect is. I love that. That is such a great way to approach your coaching work. 
Now, I know you also yeah. support coaches, right? Beyond the work that you do at your school. Want to talk about that? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So in an online, I have, um, I host a new to coaching group. That's I'm the founder of the new to coaching community online. And, um, we're in Facebook if you're looking for us. And, um, that's a place where I support and coach new coaches who are just coming into the position, really like the ones who just interviewed and been hired. And then, um, they start trying to find their way and they come and find the new to coaching group. So I help them. And it's kind of the same story about how do I spend my time? I think about them way more than they realize. And uh, when I posted something in the Facebook group just yesterday about coaching cycles, I was like, what's on your mind about coaching cycles? Mm -hmm. I want to know what's on your mind so that when, when I do my live session, that we are addressing the questions and things that are on their mind. So I'm always thinking about my people. Mm -hmm. I love that. That's I actually saw that post yesterday. And I like that you take that and you use it as, as information to help you. Just like whenever we survey teachers or when we talk to teachers, we use it as information to help us with the work that we do to support them. So that's awesome. Yeah. So my um, next, oh, go ahead. You, you are another question. You go. I do. I have one more question. I don't know if it's quite as urgent, but um, I want to know what is your favorite dessert of all time? I've been starting to ask these fun questions at the beginning of the episode to set the tone Love it. and give us a little background. So what is your favorite dessert? <laughs> this one was hard. I was really like, I'm not the most sweets oriented person, okay. but I landed on cheesecake. I, my mom makes a pretty good cheesecake. She made one for my birthday the other day. And I was thinking to myself, if I was going to get dessert at a restaurant, what would I get? cheesecake. So I like strawberries on top, whipped cream, fresh cheesecake. So Love cheesecake it. it is. <laughs> that is my husband's favorite as well. <laughs> that yeah. and cookies and cream. He likes to combine the cookies and cream and the cheesecake sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about coaching cycles. And so we're talking really today about kickstarting your coaching cycles because many coaches get to various points in the year and go, oh my gosh, I am still not doing the kinds of work that I really wanted to be doing. I am still, you know, getting all of the other stuff done and, and I have all these random tasks that are just getting in the way and all these directives and <laughs> So getting started with cycles can be the hardest part. So what can people do if they're feeling overwhelmed, like with PLCs that they maybe facilitate meetings and, you know, other tasks, and they just can't seem to find the time to do coaching cycles? Well, I think the first thing that they should do, and this is I'm huge encourager around, is like you, you need to realize that you're not crazy and you're not alone in this. Like mm -hmm. a lot of what you're being asked to do as a coach is going to pull you away from the really important work of coaching cycles. And if you aren't, and because they're hard to get started and because it's hard to get, figure out what to even start with, it's probably pretty normal at this point if you have not gotten things going. And so it's kind of just like, First of all, take a deep breath. You're going to be okay. But start looking for your opportunities to connect with teachers in one-on-one -on -one settings. And so like coaching cycles is a fancy word for having one-on-one, -on -one, doing one-on-one -on -one work with teachers. And so when we're thinking about how we can start those things, I think we have to go back to the relationships that we're building. So let's say you are going to PLCs and you're really putting a lot of energy into that. Those are group meetings. What can you do to take group meetings and turn them into one-on-one -on -one conversations that then could maybe turn into partnership work, which is a coaching cycle. So I think that the first thing is to start looking for opportunities for one-on-one -on -one connection points with teachers that is solving a problem for them or supporting them or just helping them with something that could really turn into an ongoing partnership of some kind. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a really good point because whenever we are assigned to do a lot of these team type things or whole school type things like professional development, um, sometimes we are not looking at that through the lens of the individual teacher because there's so much school-wide stuff that has to happen. But if we don't get down to the individual teacher, we're probably not making that high impact change that we're looking for. Yeah. Now I talk about this in the book that I'm writing, Kickstart Your Coaching Cycles. It'll be um, hopefully out in the spring and looking at April as a release date. But the thing that I talk about in there is that like the reason that instructional coaches really have a job is because whole group professional development is not enough. It's not that it doesn't work. It's just that it's not always enough. Teachers can only, you know, can learn something in a whole group environment, but for them to transfer it to their classroom, they're going to need support and implementation guidance and somebody who can help them problem solve all the little details of trying these things in their classroom. And often yeah. they're left from to go from like a PD to, hey, you should have tried that. Why didn't you do that in your classroom? So yeah. you're this bridge between PD and them implementing something. And so if we're leaving it at PD or even PLC time, if we're leaving mm -hmm. something there, then I think we're leaving something on the table because if we don't get to the one-on-one -on -one work, like you said, are we really helping them make the change that mm -hmm. we know we want them to see? So. Yeah, absolutely. We need to have, I, I look at it as kind of like tiers. Tier one is your PD that everybody gets. Tier two yep. is more differentiated. So it's probably PLC meetings that might look different for different teams in your school. And then tier three is that individual support. And it's not just your struggling teachers who need it. It's every teacher who should be working with us to grow. And that is your differentiated support at the individual level. So that's kind of like how I formulate my action plan to I make sure that. that I'm reaching teachers at different levels. Yeah. And it's really, I think like you said, like sometimes we're just thinking about one and then the other and then the other, but we, we really got to see how all three of these places are where the teacher is getting what she needs to be able mm -hmm. to implement. Like she's learning the basics in the PD, mm -hmm. you know, they're getting differentiated support in the PLC for specifically their grade level, but they need that one more level down mm -hmm. of like, okay, my class, my students, my space, my environment, how would this yes. look? To really implement. And what's Yes. Mm -hmm. So whenever... What I, I've been speaking to coaches, one of the struggles that many of them seem to have is they're overwhelmed by starting a process that is really specific to the way that they have been trained or to something that their district has asked them to use. So it might be like a really specific formal approach and it kind of feels rigid. And then the documentation yeah. has to alert, look a certain way and they have to call things a certain thing. And it can be very overwhelming um, whenever they're trying to get that process started. So what can they do to take a really complicated process and make it something more realistic? Yeah, this is this is the core of what I feel like um, is the most important thing to figure out as a coach, because a lot of it is figuring out like, what is your um, how are you going to take all these formal things and this process that someone's mm -hmm. teaching you and make it your own um, and realize that like, yes, these there are steps and processes and things you can do, but that's just that somebody has explained that to you. When you go out into classrooms and hallways, these things are happening in a lot more of an organic way than the formal mm -hmm. way it's laid out. Like you can lead, you can go and connect with teachers and follow the process and not always make it feel like it has to be exactly like it is on the form. So I think the first thing that coaches need to do is realize that it's important to understand the models that are out there and available, but also realize that when you are working with teachers in a real environment, in a real building, it doesn't always follow the exact steps. So you've got to look for places where 
you can have relational connections with teachers that will allow you to open up a door for something like a pre-conference meeting. Mm -hmm. Knowing that you're trying to look for a pre-conference opportunity means that you can now start having some conversations to go to, you know, these conversations with teachers that might turn into, oh, okay, so let's have a meeting rather than um, the thing that I think is the hardest part is thinking that you actually should ask a teacher if she should want to start a coaching cycle with you. Mm -hmm. I've never started a coaching cycle by walking up to a teacher and asking her, do you want to start a coaching cycle with me? Mm -hmm. That is not how it's ever worked for me. And so it's a much more organic approach of saying, yes, saying, okay, I heard you talking about this thing in PLC or PD. And I would really love to talk to you about that a little bit more. Do you want to have a meeting about that? Like, mm-hmm. I think we, we move into meetings and then that meeting moves into the next meeting, the next meeting, the goal setting, the process. So if we can just help create this, take this really formal process and start it from a relational touch point to, do you want to have a meeting about that and see if we can get that first step, then you can, re- you can see that the other steps will start to follow. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. I think that we get really hung up on, on the names of things and the language of things, but just like whenever you're teaching your students, if you have a curriculum that says, okay, this is whenever we're going to do the, um, interactive, I don't, you know, they call stuff. They have like yes, interactive read aloud. Yes. Yeah. You don't have to tell the students, hello, children. We are now going to complete our interactive read aloud. You don't do yeah, that. They don't care. <laughs> They don't need to know, right? They don't need to know that. They don't like, I knew, I knew people who were like, now we're going to do our, the students would actually say, now we're going to do our Wilson time. Like that means nothing to kids. Why are you telling them that? Tell them you're going to learn phonics. Tell them you're going to learn how letters work. It's the same thing with your teachers. We don't have to say we're going to have a pre-conf. I, I would just say, hey, you want to get together tomorrow to talk about that? That's all. It wasn't like labeled as anything. It was literally just a conversation. And then on my little form, I would document it however I needed to document it because the content of that conversation was what mattered, not the name of the conversation. Yes. And I think that's important just for any coach who is struggling or overwhelmed or with this Mm -hmm. whole idea of coaching cycles is like, there are names to these things, but they are just meetings that you're bringing teachers into and and natural processes that keep leading, like one meeting mm-hmm. leads to you deciding, hey, we, let's work together on this student uh, learning thing that you came up with that you want to work on. Like, uh, for example, I have a teacher who um, wanted to make sure she got 10 minutes of independent reading time in her class, right? So that that was the thing we're working on together. Once we've identified that, then the natural next step is for me to help her with that during her classroom, like later that week. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's a natural progression, but we've tried, you know, we put it into a system so you could learn like mm-hmm. this might be, this might be the order, but I feel like if you let one thing lead to another, you'll see that these things will start to happen and you won't have to be so caught up in, like you said, the formality of a pre-conference and, and then I do a classroom visit and then yeah. I do an observation and then I give feedback. Even when you get to that debrief meeting, which officially it's called a debrief meeting in your mm-hmm. mind, but you didn't tell her that. Right. Um, you just wanted to meet with her again after you went to her classroom. There will be an opportunity for you to give feedback. It will naturally come up as you mm-hmm. are talking to her about, well, what did you see and where are you? Le-? Okay, so let's yeah. work on this together. And that conversation leads to the natural spot for feedback. So I think it just, you know, when you lay it out and somebody teaches it to you, it feels real formal. But when mm-hmm. you start stepping into it, relationally, okay, what would the natural next step be here? You're going to find that it doesn't, it follows the method, but it doesn't, um, it's not as formal as it seems like it would be. Yes, I agree. 
So then in terms of getting teachers started with this process, in terms of getting teachers into the cycle in the first place, how can coaches actually get them excited to work with, uh, get teachers excited to work with them? Yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this too. But one of the things that I um, encourage coaches to do is to really go after, and I know you call them the friendlies, right? The friendlies or the runners, (laughs) right? The ones, I call them the runners, but basically the teachers who are excited already to work with you on something and are wanting to try something new. Mm -hmm. And so one of the first things you can do is like, go look for the ones who are already excited. And just in that note, go look for, they're not, nobody's going to come to you and ask you if you want to start working with them. So it really really is the first thing is go looking for them, right? And being really aware of how we can find them. But then knowing that starting with the ones who are excited or want to try something new can help you create some momentum to get started. And then creating a professional development that's possibly like an optional one that you could bring people to that might excite them about something and then use that as a way to follow up um, from there. So I like to have a short optional PDs, like, you know, 30 minutes after school about a certain topic and then take an exit ticket and tell mm-hmm. them, like, um, ask them how they might want to continue working on this and then use that as a way to follow up again and say, hey, I saw you wanted to work on this and I'm so glad you came to my PD. I would love for you to, um, I'd love to have a meeting with you. And so then you get that first meeting in and then you're kind of starting to get your foot in the door. Mm-hmm. So you can, you can spin off of those. If you can't do a PD, then you can spin off of your PLC time. And you can just spin off of a problem that a, you heard mm-hmm. a teacher talking about in the um, workroom, right? I know you talk a lot about solving problems because I think that's a place too where you can look to find, hey, I heard you said this. I think I can help you with that. Mm-hmm. Yes. I like to think about it as like turning complaints into goals. So, yeah. you know, teachers, some, certain teachers especially have tons of complaints, but um, every teacher has a struggle in their classroom that they probably complain about. And if you can hear that in that moment, sometimes you're like, you feel defensive about it and you're like, oh, like I can't fix, like you're just frustrated and they complain. It's just driving you bonkers and you don't know what else to do. But what we can do is offer to help. (laughs) And so we can say, yeah, that's, that sounds like a real problem. I would love to work with you on that. Um, Can I come by tomorrow? And then you just get the ball rolling that way. And you turn that complaint into the goal for your work together. The goal has to, doesn't have to be this long, you know, lengthy thing that includes three data points and all this stuff. It can just be what the teacher wants their kids to be better at, what the teacher would like their kids to do that they are not currently doing. Yeah. And the idea, the question was like, what, how can we get them excited? Like Mm -hmm. (laughs) if it's something that they want to solve, they're going to be a lot more interested in it than something you came up with and told them they should do. Right. So Mm -hmm. going from their questions or problems or concerns, or even Mm -hmm. their complaints can be a way to create motivation almost like, okay, well, if that writing thing is really important to you, let me come by tomorrow and see how the kids are doing. We can work on it together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's relevance and starting with something relevant. We know it's important for kids. It's important for adults too. Relevance is probably even more important for adults because we don't have time. We don't feel like we have time to spend time on novel things that are not going to be real, like, uh, like rational for us to do. We just feel like time is ticking and teachers are pressed for time. So it has to be relevant. So if you like, let's say that you are there's, there's a classroom that clearly has some other issues or sometimes that, I mean, I know this isn't the way it works in every school and it's not ideal, but that you have been asked to go in and work with that teacher on something, right? That's just the reality yeah. in many schools. Mm-hmm. You may, 
not get to that thing the first time because the first work that you're doing together could be on something that they are wanting to do, but it is a way to get the door open, build the relationship through the coaching work, and then hopefully turn that into some really meaningful stuff. Or even maybe the teacher, what she's or they're wanting to work on could be hugely impactful because it's something that they wanted to start with. Yes. Yes. And I think that's going to be frustrating for new coaches, especially at first, because they're like, but I see all these glaring problems, Yeah, like the <clears throat> management problems, or they see things that could easily be fixed if they would just do it differently. But if you try and jump in on those things, you might not get as good of a response from that teacher because she doesn't think that's a problem or she's offended by the fact that you want her to change her management style or something. Mm -hmm. So trying to drive the coaching conversation around mm -hmm. what she wants or she sees as a problem will help you, like you said, motivate, keep the motivation high. And then there will be opportunities for you to speak into other things like management. If mm -hmm. you just kind of follow the lead of the teacher often. Mm -hmm. That's very true. The one time I will bring up management in a lesson towards the beginning of our coaching work together is whenever um, a teacher wants me to model or co-teach. Because if mm -hmm. I'm going to be responsible for children, I need to know what's up. And so I will ask, well, do you have a management system you want me to use? Yep. And many times those classrooms are like, not really. No. <laughs> I don't really no, the, one one. That, <laughs> the one that I will do even at like is the callback. So if they don't mm -hmm. have a, especially my elementary classrooms, right? If you don't have some kind of a callback to get their attention, then yes. I'll I'll come in and be like, okay, well, we're using flat tire. So, mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> you know, so like we're, I will teach it to them real quick, but what that will do also is show the teacher that like, if you had a callback, mm -hmm. you could get them back more quickly. Mm -hmm. um, if you have that opportunity to almost like model, you're going to model that strategy, even though she doesn't necessarily have one in place that she uses. Mm -hmm. um, I find that one to be really handy. Yes, I agree. There are certain elements that if you're going to model and nothing is in place behaviorally, you've got to sometimes bring some tools with you because you have to be able to model an effective lesson or else there's really no point in you doing that job. <laughs> That's kind of a waste well, of your part time. Of the, if you are having the opportunity to model because mm -hmm. you've worked with the teacher and you've you know gotten that opportunity to do that, then then it is helpful to show her like, here's what, yeah. here are some of the strategies that you could try. Mm -hmm. Let me try them out today. And then you can tell me which one of them you think you want to carry mm -hmm. forward, you know, mm -hmm. um, you can try a few different ways to get their attention and then, mm -hmm. you know, or something like that. So I, I think that that's important. Yes, I agree. And many times I, the, I use a simple behavior motivation strategy. It's just like a proactive strategy for behavior. And, um, I have, whenever I have shared that in a classroom, most of the time I've seen the teacher, say, well, I'm just going to start using pieces of this because they realized yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. that actually fulfilled the need that I had in my room that maybe right, I, didn't that I didn't realize. No, I had, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about, you talked a little bit about, about runners, right? About identifying the runners. And mm -hmm. so I want to dig a little bit more into that idea and, and ask about if a coach has never done a cycle before and they're like trying to get them started. They don't know where to start. How can they choose these teachers to work with them? How do they know who the runners are? Yeah, um, I find that the the runner, if anybody's going to find you, the runner is going to find you. 
teacher because she usually is more of a collaboration, a collaborative teacher. And she actually usually has a lot of questions and wants somebody to talk through it with. So there's two sides, there's kind of two sides of a runner. You could find uh, a, a novice runner, like a new teacher who is really eager to learn and really okay with working with somebody and wanting a brainstormer. Um, and so you're looking for those new teachers who are really eager, or you're looking for maybe more of a veteran or seasoned teacher, but she has big ideas and she is wanting to try something new. And she's maybe like, maybe she doesn't know how to try that something new, or she's really can't wait to do this. And she's hoping she could have a partner. Mm -hmm. Often too, the thing I do to help the, the explain the runner is to realize that like the coach was likely a runner teacher in her building. Mm -hmm. She was, you know, going above and beyond. She was always trying to do, um, you know, the next big thing or tweak something. And she was just not really as afraid of change in the classroom as, you know, as some teachers might be. And so like, you're kind of looking for those ones who, when you look in the mirror, you see yourself and that helps you to go, okay, I know I could connect with this teacher because I was like her when I was a teacher and we are going to have a great relationship. And those relationships that I had the opportunity that I've had the opportunity to have as a coach over the past 10 years have been really the most like, I don't know, um, uh, Benef fun. beneficial yeah fun like the most fun but also like mutually beneficial mm -hmm. because like I grow from working yes. with her and she grows from working with me and that is I just think you know the highest level of like coaching is when you, you're really actually reciprocating what you're doing um and so you start looking for those ones who you just personally connect with and can tell you're like them and it is so easy to just jump in stride with that teacher once you got talking to them. So how have you found your friendlies along the way? I, yeah, I will explain that. That's a really good good um, question. Uh, but before you reminding me of the very first runner I met whenever I was like my first week of coaching. And I, was, I can remember walking down the hallway and feeling like, oh my gosh, I have so many things I'm supposed to be doing. And this person came up to me and was like, I really want to work on vocabulary because I've noticed my kids really struggle with vocabulary. So if you have any ideas about like, that, I would love them. Yeah, she did. She just came up to me and she's an amazing teacher. And she actually took my position when I left. I begged her. I was like, yes. please do this job because we need somebody who's going to really get after it. And so she that did. That happened to me too. <laughs> One of my favorite runners also took my coaching job when I left that school. So that's, so that's what I mean is like they become this like kindred spirit to you. But the, mm -hmm. minute, the minute that you meet them, you know that you can work with this person. Yeah. So you, you will find them. They will, they will be... <laughs> mm -hmm. They'll be there. They will make themselves known. Um, yeah, I usually call them friendlies because they're friendly to um, learning new things. They're friendly to you as a person. And they are also friendly to the idea of working with you because sometimes people are friendly, but not friendly to working with you. They don't want you to come into their room and, you know, do things. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I call them friendlies and I do keep eyes open for those people who always have a new idea are, are asking for feedback. Cause I know as a teacher, if I ask for feedback, it I it might do it in the sound. It, it might sound like, look, I'm sharing my plan with you. This is what I'm thinking I'm going to do. And I'm waiting for somebody to tell me something better. I want to hear something that I didn't think of. I want to hear a different way to do this. And I can remember going to my coach and saying, this is my plan for my reading groups. I'm not sure if this is going to work because, and I had all these, you know, things. I said, I don't know if these kids are getting enough time to read and if these kids are getting whatever. And she looked at my plan and she was like, it's good. And that was it. And I was like, no, no, I, I wanted some support here. I wanted you right. to pick my plan apart and tell me what I was missing or give me another way to do it that I did not think of. Yeah. 
And yeah. that's what I needed as a teacher. I wanted somebody to have some different kinds of ideas than what I already had had. And I didn't want somebody to just tell me great job because I had already gotten, thank you. That's good. I guess I, this is the best job I can put together here, but I'm sure there's something I'm missing. And you've been to 7,000 trainings I have not been to. So maybe, you know, some ideas, you know? Um, so yeah. that's what I was as a teacher. I was like that. So then as a coach, I was looking for those people who were like, well, I was thinking about doing this. I was thinking about trying this. And whenever they say, I want to try this, that's when you can say, I would love to help you with that. Yeah. Yes. And, and when they come to you for that, that is such an opportunity to turn it into a coaching cycle. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, that's why they're so great to just latch onto. Um, and also sometimes too, you don't realize that you should turn it into a coaching cycle if you're new to this thing. Right. So like right. if I they didn't. come to you, they right. You didn't know that, oh, mm -hmm. this is about to be a coaching cycle. Mm -hmm. So I had a teacher the other day one of my runners send me an email and she was like, I want to do, I want to fix my grammar. I just don't feel like I'm doing great with grammar. Da, 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 da. And I was like, Oh, this is, this is a great opportunity yeah. for a coaching cycle. I could have just emailed her back yep. and like, just sent her some resources. Like, no, no, no. So instead I stood up and I grabbed the grammar book that I wanted to show her, but it's a little bit more, it's a little, a lot more information. I didn't want to just like hand it to her. So mm -hmm. I was like, I'm going to go see her. And I, you know, I think the in-person touch point is so, so important mm -hmm. to the whole coaching cycle process. I'll just add that aside here, but going to see her led to an initial conversation. It wasn't like a sit down, let's plan together, but it was like, okay, so tell me more. Okay. So this is one resource. Do you want to look at this? Okay, great. And then that led to, um, Hey, okay. So next Friday I can meet with you and we can make a better plan. And she was like, that's great. Cause I'm going to start my writing unit. And she, she she wants to talk about this more than just one conversation. And mm -hmm. so that's how it turns into a coaching cycle because now I met her on the Friday and we started doing a plan together, but we only had 50 minutes. And so we, I said, how about next Friday? So she was like, yeah, that works perfect for me. So we're now meeting, meeting weekly, helping right now. We're just planning out this writing unit and how mm -hmm. we're going to do it. And I'm connecting with her this week. I met with her too. And she's telling me about what she did this week to kind of start to preemptively teach. And it was, you know, just what we had talked about. It's like, great. So then when she starts going with this writing, I'll be able to go into her classroom and help her with the students like during the class. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's creating that one single like request or, Hey, we help me with vocabulary. We help me with grammar and making that into a partnership where you guys are working on something over time mm -hmm to try and create a, cer a certain effect and, or, you know, impact the classroom in some way. And like the next thing we're going to do is write her rubric together. And that's going to be really helpful for her too, because she doesn't have a rubric for this writing assignment mm -hmm. yet. So, but if I had just left her at answering her grammar question, we wouldn't know, we wouldn't get all the way to, Hey, now that you're doing this writing unit, do you think we should write a rubric? That's what organically came up from having the conversation. And now we're meeting weekly. Mm -hmm. Um, so usually too, the other thing about coaching cycles, I get a question a lot is like, uh, how long should it be? Or, how, um, and that's really kind of a, everybody has a different answer to that question. I just really believe in an ongoing conversation with this teacher. Mm -hmm. Like this is one that I worked really closely with at the beginning of the year. We've had a little bit of time not meeting and now we're back at meeting every Friday until this, you know, maybe until this unit's over but it doesn't always have to have a timeline on it. It's just that she knows I can be her thinking partner when she needs me. And that is just, I'm always, you know, I can always put her on my Friday at 8.50 because that's a good time for her and a good time for me. And that's our ongoing coaching cycle. So that's how I've always had it organically happen, especially with the runners. It's just like, hey, do you want to just meet again next week? And we'll just keep going on this same topic. 
Yeah, I like that. And I love the way you describe this very organic way that your cycle sort of grew out of this request from the teacher. So we talked about a couple of those those ways, right? Like the teacher request for information um, can mm-hmm. turn into a coaching cycle if we can see the opportunity. And I think that's sometimes as a newer coach, you don't see the opportunities. You don't realize that's what they are, right? So that's one of them. We talked about, we talked about complaints. You talked about an exit ticket um, from PD or from like some sort of a learning PLC or something like that. Are there any other organic opportunities that we can turn into cycles? I mean, I, the other thing is kind of what we just said, but just any, any conversations that you're having with teachers can be a door into mm-hmm. a coaching cycle. Like if they're in the workroom and they are working on something and just having an opportunity, always talking to them about what they're doing yes. can lead to. Um, and then, um, and so those conversations will always be like something that I can follow up on. I'm always listening really attentively to what they're sharing so that I can look for a place to follow up. Um, and then right now we're also doing some, some data meetings with our teachers. And so sometimes it's the student data that can drive mm-hmm. you to, okay, so we have this group data meeting, maybe a PLC or something. And I would love to come work with you on, you know, helping you move your students and helping you plan your small group or whatever. So trying to take those conversations too, and not let them end at a meeting and take them to the individual level as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that we have to be thoughtful about, like you said earlier, moving that into future support, because we can, we can, you know, meet with a data PLC and maybe we go observe, we say, oh, you know what, why don't I come watch those kids? Because the teacher goes, I don't know what else to do. Like it's not working. And so we say, well, why don't I come watch them during a lesson? That's a great way to get in the doorway, get your foot in the door. But then sometimes we we provide the teacher with some information or whatever we notice. And then we're like, okay, thanks. And then that's it. And we don't use it as an opportunity to keep building that relationship and say, so what could we do next? What do you, what are your thoughts or, or how could I support you in this? Because this is what I saw. So what support would be helpful to you as you're trying to figure out how to work with these kids? Um, or what do you think if we, and then share an idea that you have, you know, um, how about, um, what do you think if, if we tried like refining our lesson plan with, you know, the question, the responses to each kinds of, you know, question, the structured response we want kids to use in the plan. So you remember to use it, or how can we make sure these kids are participating during a lesson? And then you can go put that on your form as a conversation about student engagement right? It's all, it's yeah. all there. It's just not labeled and that's fine, you know, because that's, we don't talk that way <laughs> in normal yeah, conversations, like but we, we're doing those things. Yeah. It's like, we just have to go formally document this thing that we're doing very yeah. naturally and organically in our conversations with teachers, but somebody wants some formal documentation. So, okay, mm-hmm. I'll write it out. But mm-hmm. I know that I'm just connecting with the teacher and checking in on her and seeing if I can support through the next phase of what we're working on. Mm-hmm. Um, are there other ways you could think of to enroll teachers into coaching cycles? To make I sure to think miss about something? some of the other things that I have done. Um, <clears throat> definitely after PLCs and PD, but, you know, the exit tickets are a good way to do that. Complaints are a good way. Um, whenever teachers are starting new curriculum, um, they are likely to have mm. lots of questions because, yes. you know, just because, I mean, it's a whole new thing and, and they are having the same struggle of here's this really scripted thing or this really structured thing. How do I make it work? And so that's an opportunity yeah. to be like, yeah, that, you're right. I can come work with you on this. I would love to work with you and we can figure out how to make it work in your classroom. Um, that's a really good opportunity whenever kids are really struggling, like we just talked about. Yeah, and kids are 
yeah, we're seeing a group of kids. Maybe there's a group of kids who has moved up every grade and they're always on the bottom of their testing data. And that's an issue. Well, what can we do? Um, a teacher who is teaching a group of kids that is maybe different than what she's used to, like maybe they have a lot of students with limited English proficiency or who are learn you know, English language learners. And they have not had as many students of that in last year, or they've changed grade levels. Anytime there yeah. is a potential like challenge to the teacher, you can acknowledge the challenge and acknowledge that it's normal, that that's hard to do and then offer the support at that time. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. Um, one of the other, I saw a few things in the new to coaching group about people doing book studies with teachers. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's kind of like a form of a PD, right? If you get mm -hmm. somebody to opt into a book study, but I think if you, had an opportunity and teachers were saying yes to that and weren't overwhelmed by doing a book study, usually your runners, mm -hmm. um, then you can, you know, bounce off of something that's in that content, right? So like, hey, I saw in, uh, we did a book study one time on um, writing conferences. And so like, I saw that, you know, we were working on these writing conferences. I want to, I would love to come into your room and, um, you know, work with you on your writing conferences or uh, also conference with kids. Let me, let me come do that because I miss uh, conferencing with kids, you know? So there's just all these ways to, use the places where teachers will, you know, maybe agree to be in a book study or to be at a PD mm -hmm. and then take that strategy and take that into, let's try and implement this in your space. Mm -hmm. I like that. I think what we have to be thoughtful about is sometimes we feel like, oh, I'm spending a lot of time on these very low impact supports, like recommending resources or tech support, even maybe, um, or sounding board, like a teacher coming to you with all these issues. Yeah. And then you're like, okay, I have an opportunity here. That teacher is asking me for help, regardless of what it is. Sometimes you're like, this is really not my yes. thing. But, you know, <laughs> regardless of what it is, you can take that and use it to turn it into work that is more high impact in that classroom because you are you're you're helping them solve a problem. So you're giving them a quick win, maybe with a tech support. And while you're there, you say, Oh, so you're mm -hmm. going to use, um, you're using, I don't know, Flipgrid. That's so neat. Yeah. I would love to work with you on that. I really don't know as much about it. Maybe I can learn from you on this. Or, you know what? I also learned about this new, you know, technology app, whatever, the yes. other day in yes. this workshop that I was at. And it does a similar thing, but I think it's easier. Would you like to to try it out? I would love to try it out with your class. And, you know, I learned this new thing. So I think those are opportunities. Um, I think that, you know, looking at student work together is another really good one because um, sometimes we have to, we need input on what our kids can do and what they can't do. I, even whenever I was a teacher, I remember colleagues would come to me and say, Chrissy, I don't know. I'm looking at this. Look at their, their, this is a mess. Like, look at what they wrote. This is, I remember my, my friend came down from sixth grade and I was a fourth grade teacher and she started teaching fourth grade. And she was like, these are not these are just like words that they glued together, but they, it doesn't mean anything. I was like, yeah, it's August and they're in yeah. fourth grade and they haven't been held accountable for writing anything that makes sense in a while, if ever. And we yeah. gotta, we have to teach them that writing makes sense. And she was like, oh my gosh, that's horrible. Why right. are we doing this? So, but it was like, so baffling to her. And in looking at her student writing, I was able to say, these are, this is what we can do next. You know, and looking at my colleagues' yeah. math assessments, I can say, hey, they're not, they're not doing anything here. They're circling answers, Peggy. You got to make them do some work. What are their strategies? What are you holding them accountable for? And she's like, oh, so in looking at student work, we can find opportunities to help teachers refine their instruction as well. And to, to do the planning, to do the next steps with them, and then to be part of that teaching whenever the teaching is actually happening in the classroom to address what they saw in the student work. Yeah. And I think sometimes like a coach who's not been doing this for a while mm -hmm. 
she doesn't realize that like maybe that new that teacher does not even know where to start like she doesn't mm-hmm. know what to do and you may maybe as a coach you know what to do so you would know right. you would do this this and this but the teacher doesn't actually know and so i think we sometimes shy away from work working with them because we feel like oh we're telling them what to do but they but in some cases they mm-hmm. literally don't even know the steps or where to start and that's where you can really partner well with a teacher because you have some you have a little bit of expertise to bring and but you but she wants to achieve something and so she you can show her like hey this this is where we're where you can go to and this is where we can get to and I can help you with that and so I think sometimes just don't shy away because you think they know how to do it already. Often they will say they know how to do it. And then you realize like, oh, I think if we could work together on this, yeah, you'll you'll see that there's more places where you can kind of sh- give your expertise in terms of like the process would look like this or those types of things are like a little more welcome in that space where they really like want to try something, but they don't know how. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. So then my last question about coaching cycles is it's, Um, an important one, because I think that one of the things we've talked about is having these ongoing cycles and continuing to work with teachers in a way that meets their needs at that time. And it kind of follows a natural progression of growth. How can coaches actually create systems that help them do that, that help them sustain this work over time and manage them over time whenever they're inundated with so many other things? Yeah, I, I think that this is a lot about prioritizing the importance of the one-on-one because it's really about prioritizing all of your time. So if we're trying to create systems to make sure that you're getting to coaching cycles, the coaching cycles are going to be the last thing that you'll get to because all of the other things will get dumped on you Mm -hmm. and they will feel more urgent because they are a little more scheduled. Like, (laughs) you know, like your PLCs are scheduled. And so you have to get them. Um, Your admin meetings are scheduled. So you have to be at them. Um, the coaching cycles are kind of the thing that you have to get started yourself and you have to get scheduled yourself. And so I think um, creating a, one thing I do is I create an ideal week calendar. So I can kind of see in my week when I have these scheduled meetings and these important things, I try to block in things like my meeting with my principal every week, Monday at 930, um, so that I have that one blocked in so that I can see the other space where I have space for coaching cycles. And so then I start finding places where, okay, I'm going to, you know, put coaching cycles in these spots, but I'm looking, and then I start working on like, okay, about how many could I really manage? Right. How many teachers can I, can I go and, and get to work with? And so then I start looking for those teachers. And I mean, if I don't already have some in mind, mm-hmm. then I start thinking about who would be the next one that I, that I'd like to work with, or that I um, heard something, heard her say something the other day, that would be a good one for me to follow up in. And I start just trying to plug those coaching cycles into those spaces so that, And if I can, I try to do a reoccurring weekly meeting. That's something that has always really worked for me. Like I said, to this, like this teacher I'm working with on this grammar thing, we decided on Fridays at during her planning at 850. And so I just start putting that on my Friday block. And then that's where it sits until this coaching cycle is over. Um, So start looking for some others, like my kindergarten team, their planning is from uh, 1215 to one. So I'm looking for times where I can connect with those teachers in that block. And so I start finding ways to kind of put some protective time around when I know I want to go and touch base with those teachers um, to put those structures in place. And then you have great forms that I'm sure you want to share with everybody. So, I mean, the things like forms, but some other tracking tools, like I use Google, um, just Google Docs to put together my documents and document where 
um, which teachers I'm working with and who I'm working with and who I haven't seen in a while. Cause I also feel like sometimes I need mm-hmm. to circle back to some yeah. of them. So just keeping good documentation around like who uh, all my teachers, when I've seen them and who I want to be kind of like thinking about and not losing, um, not losing touch with honestly, because there's so many of them that I can't always see them every week or, and when they, the worst moment is when they say, Oh, I feel like I haven't seen you in a while. I'm like, I failed utterly <laughs> because it just, it's a thing where it's true. Like I probably mm-hmm. am working with another teacher. So they probably haven't seen me in a while, but that makes me go, Oh, I haven't done my relational connection with this teacher this mm-hmm. week because she is saying she hasn't seen me this week. <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. like, okay. But that is an opportunity. Like if yeah. she said that, then maybe she needs something. Well, did you want to work on, did you have something you want to chat about? I'd love to talk to you. You want to meet next week? Like, even if she says, I haven't seen you this week, I'm going to say, do you want to meet next week? Because maybe mm-hmm. she's got something, <laughs> you know? So I'm always looking for that. So I don't know. I'm not the best with systems and structures. I'm a, I'm not the most type A myself, but you can share. I please share some of the things that you do too. <laughs> well, I think what I'm hearing and I love it is that basically you're saying you want to put on your coaching cycle glasses. You want to make sure that you are looking at everything through the lens of, am I prioritizing time in classrooms with teachers? And I think that's a great way to do this. Um, So one of the things that I do that it's a very simple thing, but I I plan my big three. So I have like big three goals that I want to do. And then I devolve those goals. And that could be like semester long semester, I think is a reasonable amount of time. I think that if you do for the year, I don't think it's a real thing. It's like, you. I like quarterly. I like yeah, I drop it like, down. What can I do in the next mm-hmm. nine weeks? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So then, from the semester, I drop them down to the to the court from to months, really, to each month within the semester. And then within the month, when I plan my week, I have like three little lines on the top of my calendar. And many calendars have this nowadays. I don't know if you've noticed it. Even just an ordinary like blue sky calendar, which is what I use now. Yeah. Um, they have like three spaces for you, and so I will record. These are the three things that I'm going to focus on this week to help me do those big three things by the end of the semester or by the end of the month. And so yeah. like in breaking that down over, oh, you know, the, instead of just trying to do, oh, these are my big lofty goals. Well, that's lovely, but how are you going to do them? So I have those actions every week. And if one of those actions that you're really trying to do to support your big goal of getting into classrooms is focusing on those coaching cycles, then you're going to look at your calendar and you're going to plan your time according, accordingly to make sure that you block off time to get into classrooms. So if that's the way that you're going to approach it by looking at your calendar through that lens, having it written on each week of your calendar, I think is going to be kind of essential. Yeah. And I I kind of will do the thing where I'm like, okay, well, I want to be doing three coaching cycles in the next, you know, nine weeks or Mm -hmm. five coaching cycles in the next Mm -hmm. nine weeks. And then I'll go and say like, okay, well, I'm already in two because I'm working with these two teachers already. Mm -hmm. So who are the other three going to be? I'm tr- I'm trying to be intentional about making sure that I'm getting into relationships with teachers that are going all the way to coaching cycles, just so that we can get to the classroom. Like you said, so we can get to the impact um, mm-hmm. and, and setting that in my mind, a numeric something that I can measure by a certain time um, that helps me to go, okay, did I do it or not? And then when I sit down at my desk and after the whirlwind hits you, you sit down at your desk and what do you do? You start reading emails. Like, no, don't read emails. Like, you know, it's, so it's that moment where you have to stop yourself from reading emails and prioritize like, no, right now I need to be thinking about the thing I'm going to do to check in with this one teacher that might turn into a coaching cycle, you know? So just trying to realize the whirlwind is always around you. And if you aren't prioritizing something like your big three and your goals, and you haven't taken time to set those, 
um, then you're just going to get sucked away by the whirlwind. And then you'll be frustrated. Like, well, my principal kept telling me to do that. Da, da, da. I'm like, I know, but you also have things that you can do with your time. If you see your time clearly on your um, mm-hmm. ideal week planner, then you see there's time there for you to do it. You just keep, it keeps getting sucked away by the vacuum. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Something else becomes an urgency or like a, yeah. like an immediate priority, but it's not really your long-term priority. Yeah. Yeah. So it's important to figure out how to get those and make them happen. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's a really good point. So then Allison, you mentioned your book. Would you like to share a little bit about that? Yeah, I, um, my book is called kickstart your coaching cycles and mm-hmm. it really talks a lot about what, all the things we've talked about today, but uh, specifically about how, um, the organic coaching cycle, which is a coaching cycle I designed to help you enroll teachers into, um, into coaching cycles through some of these models that we've talked about today, some of these modes of, um, relational connection that will enroll you. And I think that is, um, so the book is intended really for brand, for brand new coaches trying to find their way um, and trying to get over the overwhelm. So like we've talked about today. So it is coming out in April. I am so excited to finally get it in the hands of coaches because I've actually been working on it for quite a while. And um, I've been teaching a Kickstart Your Coaching Cycles workshop in the new to coaching group. So I'm taking some of that and putting it into the book and putting the resources with it and excited to get it in the hands of new coaches. So looking forward to getting that out in the world. That's amazing. So if people want to keep learning to you from you, they should go to Facebook and search hashtag new to coaching. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. All right. Sounds great. Well, thank you so much for being here today. Yeah. It was great to see you, Chrissy. I'll see you next time. Okay, sounds good. All right, coach. I hope you are ready, more than ready to kickstart, kickstart, oh goodness, your coaching cycles with all of that great information from Allison. I want to remind you that if you are looking for a simple approach to a mini coaching cycle, I have a free internet course for you, email course. It'll go straight to your inbox. Go to buzzingwithmissb.com slash cycles, and you can grab my practical coaching cycles mini email course. And it's five days of the exact steps you need to take in order to get your next coaching cycle started. Next week, I am actually going to interview Alyssa Crabtree, and you're going to talk about providing feedback to teachers, which we know is a piece of the coaching cycle. So we talked about that um, with Allison, that, that, that debriefing or reflective conversation at the end goes in your post-conference. And so we're going to talk a little bit about exactly what that can look like and what mistakes people make and how we can actually help people take action as a result of these conversations. So definitely join me for 177 next week. And until then, happy coaching. Now that you've got so much to think about, head over to buzzingwithmissb.com to grab some free downloads, become a VIB, and check out the podcast show notes. Happy coaching.